0: I want to invite you to open up your Bibles. If you brought one today, to the Gospel of Luke, chapter twenty-three. <clears throat> the Gospel of Luke, chapter twenty-three. Going to start in verse uh, in verse forty-four. Luke chapter twenty-three, verse forty-four. We've spent several weeks looking at the, looking closely at the dying words of Jesus on the cross and. And we've learned that while paying the penalty for our sin, for your sin, for my sin, (coughs) Jesus made seven statements. And each one of those seven statements that he makes while he hung on the cross has meaning. Each one of those seven statements has significance and each one of them teaches us something about the heart of God. And today uh, is no different. Today we're going to look at the very last statement of Jesus on the cross, the final statement (coughs) of Jesus on the cross. And uh, so let's read this together as we close out our series this morning. Um, In Luke chapter 23, verse 44, Scripture says, it was now about the sixth hour. And darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour, because the sun was obscured. And the veil of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus, verse 46, and Jesus, crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. <clears throat> now church, there's something that, that just happened in this moment. There's something that happened in this moment that is incredibly significant. It's incredibly worthy of our attention. There's an event that, that just occurred that in the entire history of our planet had never happened before and it will never happen again? What was it that just happened? That's never happened before and will never happen again. You see that God died. God died. Not just some guy, just, not, not just some normal man, but we, we know that God died. There's a couple of things that, the scripture is very clear about in regards to Jesus, and number one is that He is God. Jesus is God. He was not just some moral teacher. He, he was not just this guy, this good guy that walked the Earth and had some good things to say. The scripture is clear that Jesus was and is God. It says it in Colossians. Don't turn there, but Colossians chapter two, verse nine. The scripture says, "For in Him, for in Him, all the fullness of deity." dwells in bodily form, read it again, for in Jesus, all the fullness of deity, everything that God is dwell in the body in the form of Jesus Christ. In John chapter one, verse one, know this one. John says it straight up. It says, in the beginning was the word, talking about Jesus, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus is God. And because of the truth that Jesus is God, we also know because of that fact that he is eternal. (coughs) Jesus has existed forever, right? And the Apostle Paul describes Jesus in this manner to his young uh, pastor friend Timothy when he says in 1 Timothy chapter one, verse 17, watch what he says about Jesus. He says, now to the king eternal, (coughs) to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever, amen. And so what's so powerful, and go back to that scripture, what's so powerful, let's go back to that first scripture, Luke chapter 23, there we go. What's so powerful about this moment, what's so powerful about this moment is that we get to see the king eternal, the king immortal, we see him die. Now I want to share with you a couple of things, a couple of reasons rather, why the death of Jesus matters to us. I want to share with you today why the death of Jesus matters to us. And I want you to hear me very clearly. I'm not talking about his work on the cross. I'm not talking about the shedding of his blood on the cross. I'm talking about his actual death. Why does the death of Jesus matter to you and me? One of them You probably have heard before and you have your mind around one of them you probably have never thought about before. And so here's the first one. Here's the first reason why the death of Jesus matters to you and me. Number one, the death of Jesus matters to you and me because unless Jesus dies, he cannot be resurrected. Okay, unless he dies, he cannot be resurrected. In church, the resurrection of Jesus is kind of important. Amen? All right, Jesus dies. They put him in the ground. They bury him. He dies. They bury him. And then three days later, the guy comes back to life. God raises him from the dead. Now, church, why is that important? Why is that important? Why is the resurrection of Jesus important for us? And here's the answer. Because the moment, listen, the moment, the second that Jesus was raised from the dead, he defeated death. The moment that he was raised from the dead, Jesus defeated death. He beat death. He was victorious over death. And that's a big deal. The moment that he was raised from the dead, Jesus literally became uh, victorious, defeated an enemy that has been whipping our tails since Adam fell in the garden. And because, listen, on on the cross he defeats sin, but when he rose from the grave, he defeated death. And that's very important for us But because Jesus was victorious over death. If you and I are in Christ Jesus, if we've trusted in him as our Lord and as our Savior, if you've done that, you are going to be victorious over death. And that's very important. The death of Jesus is important because he beat it. And because he beat it, you and I are gonna beat it. And most everybody in this room, I think, has probably thought about that if you're a Christian. You've thought about how the resurrection of Jesus, the death of Jesus is important because he, had, he raised from the, rose from the grave. When he rose from the grave, he beat death. Because he beat death, we're gonna beat death. Right, but there's another reason why the death of Jesus is important to you and to me, and this is one that you've probably not thought about before, and I say that because I'd never thought about it before. It's because It's something that most of us in the room don't like to think about. Something that happens here that we don't like to think about and and yet it's true for every single person here in this room. It's true for everybody in the sound of my voice and that's this, that every one of us, every single one of us at some point in the near future is going to die. Every single one of us at some point in the near future is gonna die. Last time I checked, the death rate in America is hovering somewhere around 100%, right? Every single one of us in this room is going to die. Think about this. We, we did those surveys a couple of weeks ago here at the Stone, and we got all the data back. <coughs> you know what the average age of the church attender at the Austin Stone is? 27 years old. That's the average age across the whole board, uh, or across the whole church. Um, And so if you've ever walked in the door here at the stone and thought, looked around and thought, man, I'm old, it's because you are old, right? That's that's why you feel that way. Average age is 27 years old. (coughs) And I apologize for my cough. I cannot lick this thing. But anyway, so think about this. In 60, 65, 70 years, which will go by incredibly fast, 60, 65, 70 years, pretty much everybody, all of us in this room right now, um, are gonna be six feet under. Unless Jesus comes back, And he might, and I hope he does. I'm in for that, sign sign me up for that. But unless he does, every single one of us in this room is going to die. Death is an event you are going to experience. And what Jesus does, what Jesus does with his very last words, is he offers you a very precious gift is you and I get to see him die. We, we, get to, we get to watch Jesus go through something that every single one of us in this room are going to go through because see on the cross, and I want you to hear this, on the cross, Jesus not only pays the price to bring us to glory, Jesus not only paid the price to bring you to glory on the cross, But on the cross, Jesus also gives us an example of what it looks like to go to glory. He gives us a picture of what it looks like to go to glory. And that's so important. It's more important than I think we think about. Because the question, church, is not, are you going to die? The question is not, are you going to die? The question really is, how are you going to die? How are you going to die? And I'm not talking about the circumstances of your death. I'm not talking about cancer or heart disease or, or a car accident or old age. I'm talking about what's gonna be the condition of your heart, at the moment of your death. As a pastor, I've seen a lot of people over the years when they come to that, that point, that, that moment of their death, they are gripped and racked with fear, they're gripped with uncertainty, they're gripped with anger crying out for more time, gripped with regret the moment of their death, but not so with Jesus. Jesus died incredibly well. And so we get this precious, beautiful gift of watching him in his last breath and through it, he gives us an example of how we are to die. And you might say, well, Matt, that's kind of creepy, kind of paying attention to how a guy dies, but I would argue with you, it's not creepy. It's very, very biblical. All right, and I'll show you what I'm talking about. Don't turn there, but first Peter chapter two, verse 21, because we're gonna go back to Luke just here in a second, but first Peter chapter two, verse 21, watch what it says. It says, for to this, you have been called. Peter's speaking here and, and he says, there's something Christian you've been called to. If you're a Christian, you're like, okay, I'm listening. God, I didn't know I was called to this. What am I called to? For <clears throat> to this you've been called because Christ also suffered for you, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. The scripture just said that um, Jesus gives you and me an example on how we are to suffer. He gave us an example of how we're to suffer. And so you've been called to live out his example of suffering and dying, in your suffering and in your dying. In Philippians chapter three, verse 10, never paid attention to this till this week, but I went, wow, I've never thought about this. In Philippians 3.10, Paul is talking about Jesus and he says, I wanna know him. I wanna know Jesus and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings. Watch the last part there. He says, becoming like him in his death. Peter said, I wanna become, or rather Paul said, I wanna become like Jesus in his death. Most of us don't think about that. When we think about Jesus, we think about, I want to become like Jesus in his life, but we don't think about the fact that we're supposed to become like Jesus in his death. And so in light of these truths, that all of us are going to die and all of us are called to follow Jesus' example in his death, let's look again at the actual death of Jesus and let's see what we can learn from it. Let's read this again, Luke chapter 23, verse 44. And it was now but the sixth hour and darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour because the sun was obscured and the veil of the temple was torn in two. Look at the last verse there, pay attention. It says, and Jesus crying out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now, as I studied this this week, there were three things that stood out to me about how Jesus died and that we can learn from those three things. we gonna go through them quickly and we're done. Three things that we see in that statement that we learn about dying from Jesus. Here's the first one, if you're taking notes. Jesus died with scripture on his lips. Jesus died (coughs) with Bible on his lips. Look at the verse again. Now, we didn't get this in, in this translation that we put up on the screen here, but in your Bible, that verse right there, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit is probably capitalized. And the reason that it's capitalized is not because the Bible's trying to make emphasis of it right there, is because Jesus is literally quoting Scripture right there. The last sentence of his life, and he's quoting Psalms chapter 31. Verse 5. It's a direct quotation of Psalms 31 5. Literally, think about this. He's at the moment of his death. He's been hanging on the cross all this time. It's finished. It's over. It's done. Sin is paid for. And the last sentence of his life, the last words of his life, he quotes Psalms 31 5. He breathes his last breath and he dies. That's it. Love that about Jesus. Love that about Jesus, man. You squeeze Jesus. He pours out bible. You you pierce Jesus. He bleeds bible. You put him in the desert and you don't let him eat for 40 days and 40 nights. You put Satan right beside him. And when he's hungry, Satan starts tempting him. Trying to get him to sin. Speak scripture. That's it. Put him on the cross, he torture him. Speak scripture comes to the dying moments of his life, speaks scripture, love that about Jesus. And this point in my sermon prep, I thought I need an illustration here of somebody that some old hype dead dude that died quoting scripture and I'll tell that story. And so I texted my assistant, Stephen, and I said, hey, Stephen, help me think of a story of a guy, you know, some old hype dead dude that died quoting scripture so I can tell it right here. And, and I sent send on the on the text and, and push pushed and. And then I looked at my phone, and my sister's name is Stephen. And I thought, Stephen. Um, Stephen is a biblical name. As a matter of fact, Stephen was the first martyr for Jesus. And so I thought, I wonder, wonder what were Stephen's last words, because Stephen's death is recorded in Acts chapter 7. I wonder what Stephen's last words were. What did Stephen say? as he was giving his life for Jesus. So I turned to Acts chapter 7, <coughs> and what's... Um, if, uh, and just listen to this, I just want you to listen to the words because what Stephen's done is he was preaching in the name of Jesus. They came and said, you gotta quit preaching in the name of Jesus we're gonna kill you. And he said, sorry, I can't do that. And what do you think he started doing? He started preaching. And so basically he preaches, in a few minutes he preaches the whole Bible, right? He just preaches the whole Bible. And I want you to see the response of these chief priests, these Pharisees after dude preached the Bible. Uh, in a few minutes, in Acts chapter seven, verse 54, it says, now when they heard these things, the whole Bible, um, they were enraged and they ground their teeth at him. That means they were upset. And in chapter seven, verse 55, watch this, it says, but he, full of the Holy Spirit, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible right here. He, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. Watch this, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. I love that. Y'all probably heard me teach this before. we have been around for a while. All the other times in scripture, it talks about Jesus being seated at the right hand of God. But when Stephen was giving his life for Jesus, Jesus stood up in verse 56. And he said, behold, Stephen said, behold, I see the heavens open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him about to stone him. And they cast him out of the city and they stoned him. And witnesses lay down their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. That's Paul right there. Paul was there when the first man was martyred for Jesus. Look at verse 59 and 60. It's the last thing Stephen says before he dies. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, in verse 60, and falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Well, the last two things Stephen said before he dies. He said, Lord Jesus... Lord Jesus, receive my spirit, and Lord, do not hold this sin against them. The last two things that come out of Stephen's mouth before he dies were two of the seven statements of Jesus on the cross. Stephen was so acquainted with the death of Jesus that when it came time for him to die, he said the exact same things that Jesus said. Church, Jesus died with Bible on his lips, And because Jesus died with Bible on his lips, Stephen died. The first martyr for Jesus died with Bible on his lips. And because Stephen died with Bible on his lips, countless believers throughout the years have died with Bible on their lips. And I'm telling you right now, church, when I come to die, I want to die with Bible on my lips. I want to beg God for more time. I want to be afraid. comes time to breathe my last I wanna breathe out scripture. Let's keep going because there's a couple other things we see from how Jesus died. Luke chapter 23 verse 46 and Jesus crying out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands. Watch this next part here. He says, I commit my spirit. Okay, I commit my spirit. There's something that's very simple right there, but it's, it's, it's profound. And he says, I commit my spirit. Listen, here's the second thing we can learn from his death and we can model from his death is Jesus died with confidence. Jesus died with scripture on his lips and he died with the confidence of knowing that when his body died, his spirit was gonna live. Now that's very, very simple, but it is profound in its simplicity. Jesus died knowing that my body's about to die, but my spirit is going to live. We see it in John chapter three, verse 16, the most beloved scripture and uh, verse in all the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes into him, that word in the Greek is into, it's not in, it's into. Whoever believes into Jesus shall not perish, but have eternal life. right, and that little simple truth that I just said, and I hope it doesn't just breeze past you, that simple truth that Jesus had confidence in his death, knowing that his body would die, but his spirit would live, that ought to profoundly change the way that you look at death. It ought to profoundly change the way that you and I think about death. For those of us today who are in Christ Jesus, death is not the end. Death is a means to an end. And that means to an end, or rather that end is eternal life. It's just a means to an end. For those of us who are in Christ Jesus, death is not some cataclysmic event. Death, all in the world for us, death is, is just a door we walk through. That's it. It's a door we walk through. And on the other side of that door is life unimaginable. Beautiful thing. One of the greatest tricks that Satan is ever going to play on you in your entire life is to get you to Fear death. Get you to fear it because when you fear death, it, it robs you of thinking about the joy that death will bring to those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay, and that, that truth right there, that, that truth right there uh, of the fact that there's joy when we walk through this door that there's life. In the moment of my death, there's life unimaginable. There's real life. And that's when real life happens. When, when that hits you, it's going to absolutely rob death's power over your life because you will not fear it anymore. You won't fear it anymore. And that truth is what hits the Apostle Paul. That's what hit, that's what hit in the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55. When he says, Oh, death, where is your victory? He starts talking to death. I love that. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Paul looks at death in the face and starts talking smack to death. Oh, death, where's your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? In church, that's what we are able to do because of Jesus. Because this truth, that when we die, our spirit enters into real life. That's what you and I are able to do in that moment. We can look death in the face and say, I am not afraid of you anymore. Where's your victory? Where is your sting? And we can say that because Jesus beat it. And because he beat it, we're gonna beat it. And we can approach death confidently knowing that when our body dies, our spirit lives. It's awesome. And so Jesus dies with a scripture on his lips. He dies confidently knowing that in the moment of his death, his spirit will live on. And lastly, Jesus died peacefully. Jesus died peacefully knowing that when he died, he would die in the arms of his father. And these words right here, let's go ahead and bring them back up in Luke chapter 23, verse 46. These words have been wrecking me out all week. That when he died, he died peacefully because he died in the arms of his father. Let's read this. And Jesus crying out with a loud voice said, Father, into your, everybody say it with me, hands. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. And having said that, he breathed his last. I think the first thing that's significant about that statement is the word Father. Um, it's, um, it's a Hebrew word, Abba, and as many of you know, it's. A more accurate translation of Abba is not the formal word father, but it's a very informal word, daddy or papa. It's very an affectionate, intimate term for the word father. I'm not sure why they don't translate it daddy because that's the word. And you know this, if you're a dad, if you're a daddy, you know that when your kids are little, that's what they call you, they call you daddy. And at some point in time in, in the story of their lives, they a lot of times, especially guys, boys will quit calling you daddy. I remember when JD was little, I would walk in the door from working and he would scream at the top of his lungs, daddy. And then he would run at me and throw his arms around me. Well, now the boy's 13 years old. And when I walk in the door, there's no screaming daddy. There's no getting up from the couch. I'm lucky if he looks at me and he's, you know, kind of give me a head nod and say something like, what's up old man? You know, that's, that's all I get. <laughs> As I walk in, and girls don't always do this. You know, girls, a lot of times, they'll keep that intimacy with their, with their dad, but boys especially, a lot of times, they'll lose that intimacy with their daddy. And for a few hours on the cross, so did Jesus. He was absorbing the wrath of God. And Jesus cries out, my God. do call him daddy, says, my God, my God why have you forsaken me? But then when the fullness of his suffering had come and he'd paid the price, he said, it's finished. It's over, it's done, it's paid for. And then the veil of the temple was torn from top to bottom, which was a symbol that we can't get to God. But now the temple was torn through his blood. We have access to the father through the blood of Jesus. And after that happened, the intimacy returned. And Jesus finishes the last statement of his life Starts the last statement of his life with the word, daddy. Calls him daddy again. Watch what he says after that to me, it's amazing. He says, and Jesus crying out with a loud voice, said, daddy, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Jesus didn't say, into the grave, I commit my spirit. He didn't cry out with a loud voice and and say, into the dark unknown, I commit my spirit. He didn't even say, into into heaven, I commit my spirit. I love this. He, he, He cries out with a loud voice, daddy, into your hands. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. I told you guys earlier that those words are Jesus quoting directly Psalms 31, five. He just quotes Psalm 31.5, dies. Tradition has it that Psalm 31 five was the prayer that Jewish fathers taught their children to pray every night at bedtime, right before they went to sleep. As um, darkness would fall over the house, a Jewish father would pray with his children Into your hands, they'd quote Psalm 31.5. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. It's kind of like our bedtime prayer here in America. Now I lay lay me down to sleep, pray the Lord my soul to keep. They would lay in bed and they'd they'd quote Psalm 31.5. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. And then they'd go to sleep. No doubt, Joseph, the father of Jesus, countless times, this darkness fell over their house, laid in bed with Jesus when he was a little boy and quoted Psalms 31.5. Into your hands, Lord, I commit my spirit. Let's read these verses one last time, Luke 23, 44. Listen carefully. It was now about the sixth hour and darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour because the sun was obscured and the veil of the temple was torn in two. And Jesus crying out with a loud voice said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And having said that, he breathed his last even on a Roman cross, Jesus died like a child falling asleep in the arms of his father. What a gorgeous, beautiful picture that is. When JD was little, I was trying to teach him how to swim and and we had got him to where he, if we put him in the water, he would swim by himself. He was probably three or four, I don't remember, but we would, I would put him on the edge of the pool and I was trying to teach him how to jump in, start swimming, but he wouldn't do that. So I decided, okay, I'll get in the water and, and I'll see if he'll just jump to me to get used to jumping. And, and so he, this little guy stand there, he'd be shivering and, and, and I'd say, JD, jump. He'd shake his head like that. It's just, no, I'm not gonna do it. And so I'd put my arms up and I would tell him, and true story, I would tell him, I'd say, I'd say Jesus, or not Jesus, not the name, not Jesus, JD, close. <laughs> I'd say, JD, I'm going to catch you, I promise you. It's okay, you don't have to be afraid. Jump, I promise you, I'm right here. I promise you, I'm going to catch you. And days and days and days of this going by, and him shaking his head, finally one day, he, 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 I guess he got the courage, and, and he stood on the edge of that pool, and he got as far out as he could, and my arms were up like this, and he closed his eyes. And he just fah, just jumped into the unknown. And I backed up and let him fall into the water. And he was like, <laughs> no. I I caught him. I caught him and I held him. And here's what I said. I said, <laughs> I said, buddy, I told you. I told you I'd catch you. And from that moment forward, he was never afraid again. He never even hesitated because he knew at the moment that he jumped, his daddy's arms were gonna catch him. Jesus said, daddy, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus was completely at peace at his death because he knew when he made that jump, he was simply falling into his daddy's arms. Church, the same is gonna be true for you. For those of you in this room who have trusted in Jesus, who've trusted in his work on the cross, who've believed into his resurrection, when that day comes and it's coming, and you breathe your last and you close your eyes in death, you will be caught in the arms of your heavenly daddy. And he will say to you, I told you, I told you I'd catch you. I've always been kind of afraid of death. It's always something that's plagued me, but I'm not afraid anymore. Looking at the example of Jesus, I'm not afraid anymore. Church, we're all gonna die. So let's follow the example of Jesus at his death. Let's die with Bible on our lips. Let's die confidently knowing that in the moment that our body ceases to live, our spirit will live on. And let's die peacefully because at the moment of our death, we will be caught in the hands of our Father. Let's pray. I want you to do something today, as your heads bowed and your eyes closed, do something you probably don't do very often. I want you to think about the moment of your death. It's coming. What will be the condition of your heart in that moment? Regret, fear, begging for more time, or scripture, confidence, peace. Ask him to give you the strength, the power, the grace in that moment to die like Jesus died. Jesus, I thank you for your example on the cross for us. The way you forgave people the way that you gave grace and mercy to criminals and brought them to paradise on that day, the way that you fulfilled scripture, the way that you spoke scripture, the way that you paid for our sin. I pray as we worship today that we would remember that our sin is completely paid for, not most, not part, but all, because of what you did on the cross. Thank you for example. Thank you that when we come to that day and die, just gonna fall right into your hands. We worship you because of that. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm in church, let's stand together.